You're listening to Beyond Colouring In, a podcast about geographical ideas, concepts and methods. I'm Ben Garlick, an academic lecturer in geography working at York St John University. Welcome. In each episode of Beyond Colouring In, I'll be engaging fellow geographers in conversation to explore a variety of key concepts and research methods. These chats are intended to provide you with an engaging introduction, or perhaps an alternative way in, to some of the central approaches and ideas in the study of academic geography today. These episodes can be listened to in any order, and we aim to add new episodes all the time, covering more and more of this exciting, diverse and ever-changing subject, whilst reminding people that geography is so much more than colouring in. So, as the authors of one undergraduate textbook have put it, fieldwork is to geography what clinical practice is to medicine. Many geographers have long celebrated the value and the virtues of going out into the field, visiting those particular places and environments that we're seeking to understand, so that we can inform our interpretations and theory building with a sense of how things actually happen in the, quotes, real world. To that end, the skills of observing and of recording those observations in the field are a key research method in the geographer's arsenal. In this episode, I'm joined once again by Dr Pauline Cooper, Associate Head for Geography and the Liberal Arts here at YSJ in the School of Humanities, to talk about field observation and what it involves. As ever, we've also flagged some readings that help to explain or expand on the key concepts or methods under discussion here, and you can find details of these in the episode notes or via the YSJ Geography blog website. But for now, let's turn to today's topic. Pauline, welcome back. Thank you, Ben. So let's start with a simple example. When was the last time that you were, quotes, in the field? What, and more importantly, how did you observe? The, the most recent time I was in the field was actually with students. Uh, we went to Edinburgh for a few days. Um, and, and spent some time in the field there. Now the students were doing different projects um, and so in answer to that question what and how did I observe or, or did we observe well there, there was a whole load of things going on we were looking at some human geography aspects of Edinburgh so there were students there particularly interested in notions of, of heritage and how those notions of heritage are, are protected. There were students interested in biodiversity and green spaces across the city. One group were particularly interested in, in birds. And so students were observing different things in different places. But we also had some time together in the early part of the field trip, walking the city and finding out more about the city and observing the city. I haven't yet answered that question of, of what we were observing. We were observing all sorts of things. I th- I think this is a really important question that, that gets to the heart of observation. Um, there were debates probably around the mid-20th century, I, I think, about whether observation can be pure, unfettered by pre-existing ideas, or whether observation is actually always theory-driven. And in all honesty, I, I don't think there is much to that debate now. Observation is always shaped by our pre-existing ideas of what is important to notice. What is it we're looking for? What is it we're trying to observe? 
so even if we don't have a a um, discrete theory in our minds, there's always that sense of something here is important, something here is relevant to our studies. And geographers, perhaps particularly physical geographers, have often referred to getting your eye in in the field and a, a period of time when you're first in the field where you have to spend time getting your eye in. And I don't think I really appreciated a, as a student what that meant. As a staff member and associated with some of the research I've done, I've come to realise that actually it's not really much to do with your eyes. It's to do with your brain and getting your your brain into a geographical way of thinking, whether that's geomorphology or biogeography or social geography or political geography, whatever kind of, of geography it is you're trying to do, and connecting the ideas, the concept from that area of geography with the things that you're seeing in the field to then make sense of those observations. Whenever I think of, of observation in the field, I'm often reminded of the geographer Yifu Tuan, who, of course, we talked about on the previous episode about space and place, and his observation that to go into the field is, is to engage in an act of focusing, and that we start to narrow into and filter out and push to the background those things that are not of our interest and, and bring forward, call forth those aspects that by virtue of the concepts we're engaged with or the ideas we bring with us or the experiences that we happen to undergo there come and, and assert themselves in our consciousness. And, and I think what you've described nicely resonated with that idea. So observation, clearly a really important practice for geographers and can inform their understanding of places in all sorts of ways. What are then the kinds of things that, that we might actually want to observe? Well, again, it, it depends on what kind of geographer you are or are aspiring to be. Um, for a, a geomorphologist, your observations might be related to what are the materials this landscape is is made of? You know, what what are the underlying rock types? Um, it might be related to what are the shapes? What are the landforms? Can I recognise any landforms? But then also thinking about how those landforms or those shapes of land surface provide indications of processes at work. And you might be thinking about connections between those different processes. A biogeographer might be thinking about habitats. What, what Are there discrete habitats there? What um, assemblages of, of different vegetation types am I looking at? And, and why are these here? Human geography, there's a vast array of, of things that human geographers might be looking at. Um, I feel I should probably pass over to you. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, people, most uh, uh, most obviously, but also objects, infrastructures, materials, the shape of built environments, the way in which environments are designed for or against certain individuals or bodies, the way in which people interact with their environment through particular activities or practices, perhaps the way in which humans and non-humans interact with environments or the ways in which environments change over time by virtue of those activities. I mean, all of the above and, and, and more, I think, 
absolutely what we're, <laughs> we're both getting across here is that observation can really take in in anything um, it is a method that is suited to physical or human or environmental geography or whatever strand of geography you subscribe to. And one thing we might add to that is that because we're terming it observation, we tend to think about what we're seeing. Mm. Um, you know, observation is, is with our eyes, obviously, but for geographers, it's not just about what you're seeing. It can also be about what you're hearing, what you're smelling. I have even known geographers use taste, and that's physical geographers tasting water or tasting sediments. Mm, brave, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know the the whole the the whole sensory array is is a a toolkit that can be used to record insights about place and record our position in the environment, record the characteristics of environment as a way of deploying our bodies and our experiences to inform an understanding of, of that place. I think we should also say as well that observations can come in, in different forms. We might be trying to observe a set of phenomena that we are detached from. We are sitting at a distance and looking on at those processes or people or, or environments happening, however they might be. Um, or we may be involved, we may be participants and, and observing, constructing observations about activities that we are very much in the thick of. And, and that also, I guess, relates to the role of the observer as an overt observer, someone who everybody is aware, is present as an observer, um, whether they are standing at the sidelines and looking on or in the thick of the action, versus the covert observer, someone who is observing behaviours or processes or, for example, um, animal behaviours from a, a hide or, or undercover, someone who is engaged in social activities, recording observations, but not telling the other people that that's what they're doing. And that might be for the reason of trying to record those things that, that people might not disclose or not wish to disclose were they aware that they were under observation, which of course brings a range of ethical issues that we might return to shortly. Of course, central though to all of this work of observation is, is the question of how we ensure that we, we actually take from this activity something of value, something that can inform our research. So what do you think in terms of the most effective ways of recording our observations? How might we record observation effectively? My instinctive answer is pencil and paper. <laughs> Absolutely. And I say pencil because we all know that ink runs when it gets wet at least pencil still remains on the paper and sometimes legible. Um, I think it can be helpful to have some kind of, of structure to our note-taking, whether that's a template with specific headings or, or questions for us to respond to that can help focus our observations. I wouldn't say that's always necessary though, and there are all sorts of ways of structuring observations. I suppose one example of, of that kind of structured table to fill in almost would be standard river habitat surveys that, that are used by uh, the Environment Agency and others and, and there are um, discrete headings and categories of things, almost boxes to tick in terms of what you can see. Sometimes observation recording can be much more fluid and open. You know, perhaps we're less certain of what it is we're looking for, we've got an idea of what kinds of things 
might be important, but we don't know exactly what those things will be until we see them. What kinds of methods have you used for recording your observation? Um, I've used a, a, a range of, of approaches. I, I do appreciate having some kind of guiding or framing device or document, something that, that helps me stay on track, to be, to be blunt. You know, something that reminds me of the parameters of my observation, whether that's through a series of research questions or prompts or keywords or key themes. I find that useful to try and impose a set of structure whilst giving me the flexibility to respond to the environment in which I find myself. With students and on my own, I've, I've used cameras, uh, voice recorders to help capture something of the environmental conditions or, or the, the nature of the, the practices, processes, interactions that I'm trying to record. I think there's a, a sense that sound recording, recording the sonic landscapes or the ambient sound of a place can be really uh, valuable in terms of offering insights into the feel of that place or you know equally in recording things like informal conversations if one is participating in some kind of activity or event that's under observation can be really valuable and of course using a camera using video can generate materials that we can then subject to all sorts of different kinds of analysis under the bracket of visual methodologies which perhaps is too broad to be talked about here but is is certainly something that I think we should return to in these conversations because that implies a whole host of ways of producing but also of analyzing visual materials for all sorts of insights about the way we interact with our world. More recently though I've become quite interested in the act of drawing and, and field sketching as a way of both recording what we see but also the way in which drawing has been pitched in in the work of creative geographers the one who comes most readily to mind is, is Harriet Hawkins who talks about drawing as a way of tuning into the environment in particular ways actually evoking that point you made earlier about getting your eye in um, I'm reminded here of John Berger someone who Hawkins cites in fact who talks about the act of drawing a tree as not producing itself a drawing of a tree but of producing a record of that tree being looked at. So the drawing is itself a, a document that traces a particular event of perception. And I think that's really interesting. And there's the potential there to explore how drawings can document not just the features that we encounter, but also document something of the experience of that encounter. And this perhaps kind of speaks to the way too in which observation can be used in tandem with a whole host of other geographical methods. I think that's it's really interesting to um, think about drawing in that way because, of course, field drawing and field sketching is almost a, a skill that is becoming forgotten among geographers. You know, decades ago, we didn't have the easy-to-use cameras. We didn't all have phones with cameras on them. Um, certainly, in, in the early days of my PhD, I took some photos and they came out rubbish. Um, drawing and sketching can be a really helpful means of getting your eye in mm. it because you have to think about what it is you're drawing and sketching so you you are making those connections between what you're seeing and the things you are thinking about and of course there's the time too you know with with a camera you point and you click and you move on but with a drawing you are forced to sit and to pause and to stare and look at something for quite a long time and by virtue of doing so you pay more attention to it but you p potentially also become aware of the way in which that that environment is not static but is dynamic in all sorts of ways that you may not have appreciated if you just snapped the shutter and then moved Absolutely. onwards 
slowing down our, our field practices. Maybe that's something we should return to more than we do. What are some of the ethical issues then that any researcher, a student or, or a, an academic researcher looking to use observation should perhaps think about? I think in some respect, the ethical considerations, the obvious ethical considerations are those associated with fieldwork more broadly. So um, do you have permission to be where you are if you need access to particular pieces of land? Do you have landowner permission to be there or is there a public right of way across there? If you're observing people, have you got their consent to observe them and, and to record the things that you are recording? If your mode of recording observations is, is through using photographs, well, how do you ensure people's anonymity? Those kinds of things. But in some respects, these are not just ethical considerations associated with observation, but with fieldwork, with research more broadly. Perhaps something that is specifically associated with observation is whether there's ethical considerations raised by the very act of imposing a particular set of eyes, uh, ideas on the landscape or the place that we are observing. As uh, Gillian Rose talks about in some of her work, you know, there's something very uh, imperialistic about um, the gaze and, uh, you know, traditionally the gaze of the geographer and the way in which that imposes particular ideas or understandings or schema onto the world and uh, privileging that gaze above other gazes or other senses, other ways of being in the world. I think that is an interesting question and perhaps, you know, in the context of all sorts of discussions around decolonization in terms of geographical knowledge, maybe that's something that should be thought about in terms of its ethical implications in relation to fieldwork observations. Interesting stuff indeed. Mm. And of course we've only been talking about individuals observing what's around them directly. There's a whole other area of observation that has grown up in terms of earth observation, um, remote sensing of the planet and, and the mass of data that is available now. And so people are observing the world observing places without ever being there and, and that potentially raises a whole different set of issues. Mm. Well, to briefly sum up or, or recap then, if I if I can, given the the fabulously uh, diverse and, and uh, wandering nature of our conversation I think you know clearly we can see that field observation takes a variety of forms but no matter what or how you choose to engage with a field site we do always need to think about how we can most effectively frame and, and record 
that work. Um, there's nothing worse, I think, than that belated realization of failing to record the most useful details from our fieldwork. I think every every geographer has a story like that. And also, I think it's important whenever we're carrying out research to consider these ethical questions of, in this case, conducting observations, securing permission and access, negotiating the question of consent, anonymity and our environmental impact, but also that broader, more perhaps philosophical, ethical question about epistemology. Many within and beyond geography draw on their field notes when it comes to writing about or analysing some aspect of the world and its many processes. So I hope that whether you're studying geography or not, you find something of use in our chat. To help you further develop an understanding of the concepts or methods discussed in this episode, as ever, we flagged some readings of interest and you can find details on those via the episode notes and on the YSJ Geography blog website, where you'll also hopefully find links to other past and future episodes of the podcast. Many thanks for listening. We look forward to seeing you soon. Remember, in the words of Doreen Massey, geography matters. matters.